From the Exploratorium in San Francisco, this is Small Talk. If you could move atoms around to build whatever you wanted, what do you think that you'd make? If I had to build something from the ground up from an atom? Yeah. I'd probably do, like, my own species or something like that. I don't know. I was thinking, like, a new household pet kind of thing. That'd be kind of cool. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> everything? Maybe? Hmm. A new computer. What would that new computer do? Everything. This is the January edition of Small Talk. This month, we chat with the first person to do just that, to build something using atoms. Don Eigler is a physicist. He says he likes to tinker, but playing around with atoms changed his view of the world. We'll also hear from artist Tom Rockwell about how he imagines a place that is too small to see. And you'll get a chance to play our Nano News Quiz. I'm Stephanie Chastine, and I'm a physicist at the Exploratorium, the Museum of Science, Art, and Human Perception. And I'm Karen Schmidt. I'm a science journalist. Each month, we get together to have little conversations about little things. We find interesting people to chat with who are working in nanotechnology. That's the science and engineering of things a thousand times smaller than a single cell. We think nanotechnology could dramatically change our world. Just imagine being able to move single atoms around to make the world's smallest computers. Our shows are on the web at www.nisnet.org slash podcasts. That's N-I-S-E-N-E-T dot org slash podcasts. And please call our comment line at 1-888-781-3202. Come join us for some small talk. For this month's audio perspective, we'll hear from Tom Rockwell. Tom is an illustrator and designer. He's in charge of exhibits and public programs on the museum floor here at the Exploratorium. He says he finds it a continual challenge to visualize the nanoscale, a place where scientists have only recently been able to explore and where they're still discovering the rules. Obviously, we can't actually go there, but he just wonders, what is it like down there? So we asked Tom to share some thoughts on how he imagines this mysterious realm. So first of all, to get you there, you got to zoom. Imagine just sort of being able to just zoom and get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And imagine that you could actually somehow, through some trick of physics, actually get yourself, your, your own eyeballs, down to that scale and be able to see at that scale some way analogous to how we see at this scale. Now, a lot of people tell you why it's impossible. It's why we have to have such different instruments. But forget about that for a second. Imagine I could actually zoom you down there. First of all, you have to go down the rabbit hole. You'd have to sort of zoom down there. And suddenly, you know, you sort of like, you know, this table would get bigger and bigger and you'd start seeing some of the the granular structure of the, of the different materials that are in it. You'd, you'd sort of see all the, the grains in this wood or whatever. It would get bigger and bigger, and you'd sort of suddenly get trapped inside these things. And you'd have to choose. An interesting thing about zooming down is you have to choose a very specific place. So where would be interesting to go? Good question. Table is probably less interesting 
than actually going somewhere inside a human body. And inside a human body, eventually, you choose a cell because that's what we're made of. We're made of cells. So, so, so you'd sort of, at some point, you'd say, all right, what kind of cell am I going to go into? So we could zoom, actually, into a white blood cell. And then, so once you're in this white blood cell, where do you go there? Well, then you go into the nucleus. Then it's interesting to go into the DNA. And now, suddenly, at this scale, we're at the nanoscale. When have you made it to the nanoscale? You've made it to the nanoscale when you could just barely resolve atoms. And suddenly you realize, hey, I'm looking around and everything here is made of atoms. Actually, and that's the incredible thing, is that although it's a totally foreign world, in some ways it's a simpler world. Because at, at our scale, you can't say everything is made of, I mean, no, everything isn't made of people or rocks or, or clouds. You know, it's like the world is very diverse. At this scale... It's safe to say that everything is made of atoms. I mean, yes, there's some exceptions. We won't get into that. But um, so suddenly you'd realize that everything is resolving to this to this building block. But the problem is that our image of building blocks is like Legos, and we think of them as these kind of inert pieces that you just you add them up and sort of according to your intention. Not so at the nanoscale. The funny thing about these atoms is they sort of have it's not that they have a mind of their own, but they follow that mix and match according to these rules of chemistry that are actually quite different from the rules of how we put things together at our scale. And this is where it gets even weirder. You know, it's like they're being, you know, sucked together and and, and, join, and broken apart according to the rules of chemistry that are deeply foreign to, to what we're used to. First of all, everything is moving down there. And that's a really, really important fact. And in fact, it's moving so fast that in order for us to see it with our vision the way it's put together, you'd have to slow it way, 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 way down. So everything is vibrating, and in some cases, if you're inside of a liquid or something like that, it's bouncing off the walls. And it's, um, so that fact alone changes the rules dr- dramatically. To get something to happen down there, it's not as much about, I'm going to move object you know, I'm going to move this molecule from point A to point B. No. It's like I'm going to take advantage of the fact that it's already being moved all over the place to increase the likelihood that it will combine with this other molecule and make this larger structure that I want to happen. So I've got to kind of ride the rules of that world. And that's a bit of what nanotechnology is. It's trying to take advantage of the tendency that things have to self-assemble in certain ways and try to just increase the likelihood of a self-assembly happening that is something that I want for some other purposes. I, I've been struck when, when I hear scientists who have been working on at this scale for 20 or 30 years, when they say they don't know how to really imagine what it's like down there. Some days I, I, I get a little bit more of a sense, but I think it's really important to remember it is deeply foreign. It's like people don't exist at that scale for a good reason. So I guess I want to encourage everybody to cut themselves a break when they can't imagine what it's like down there because it is really hard. The problem of imagining the nanoscale could keep me busy for my whole life. That was Tom Rockwell of the Exploratorium. Now let's turn to this month's interview with someone who actually tinkers around in the nanolandscape. Don Eigler is a physicist at IBM Almaden Research Center in San Jose. Don's always been a hands-on kind of guy. He restores old cars in his spare time. When he had just finished graduate school over 20 years ago, he heard about a new kind of microscope. 
He wanted to see if he could make it do something that nobody had ever done before, and he succeeded. He became the first to put atoms just where he wanted them. You can't see things as small as atoms through a regular microscope. Atoms are even smaller than a virus or DNA. This new microscope, the scanning tunneling microscope or STM, gave us our first good look at things that tiny. We can use an STM to feel the atomic world the way that a blind person uses his fingers to feel braille letters. But atoms are hard to touch because they're usually jiggling about pretty violently, like little ping pong balls in a strong wind. So Don modified this microscope so it was very cold and worked in a vacuum. This made it so atoms would stay still long enough so he could use the microscope's fingers to pick them up and move them around. Then he wrote what is essentially the first nano graffiti. He spelled out the letters I B M using atoms of the element xenon. We got a chance to talk to the man behind the microscope one day here at the Exploratorium. Here's Karen. Thanks for talking with us, Don. I was looking at the IBM image that you made with atoms. Tell me what led up to that. I did not invent the microscope. That was、right. invented by two of my colleagues at IBM Zurich Research Laboratory. But I started building my first tunneling microscope in 1984 when I was a postdoc. And so, if you like, it was a, a little bit more. It was a five and a half year journey from the day I rolled up my sleeves to the day that I wrote IBM. And tell me what that day was like when you actually succeeded in making the IBM spelling complete. It was really kind of extraordinary. It had the first atom that we moved under control、uh, had been done just weeks beforehand, and, and then it was a long haul to write out IBM. It was about 22 hours worth of work to to do that. Um, that's because we were just crawling along, like taking little baby steps.、Uh, nowadays, that would take ten minutes to write out IBM, but it was twenty-two hours, and it was it was interesting and a lot of fun work to do. A lot of you know, that was long twenty-two hours. But I, I remember coming home and being really excited and telling my wife, "Oh man, you should see what I did in the lab today." And what did this mean to you? The the other aspect about it, I think that. Was so exciting during that time, and it happened either right when I moved the first atoms, or I think it really sunk in when I wrote out IBM. Is I was thinking to myself, you know, that represents a milestone, a real milestone in man's ability to to build things, because it's way smaller than anything that we built before. And it's not likely that we're ever going to build anything smaller than building with individual atoms as a building block.、Uh, that's probably it.、Uh, so I, I was excited by that. But then I thought, well, this is the new challenge now. The new challenge, not how to build small things. The new challenge is how to build big things. How to start off with individual building blocks and build larger and larger, more complex structures, and how to discover how to make those structures functional. What we're really interested in is building something that does something, building something that does computation, as an example, or building something which、uh, acts as a catalyst for the formation of maybe a new useful drug, which might be a therapy for who knows what. But just the idea of 
oh, this is a new way to build things by taking the individual atoms and putting them where you want them to go and forming new structures. That was really exciting. I'm still pumped by it. And have you tried to build things that could do something that might be useful? Well, we've built the world's smallest logic circuits, and we think doing logical operations on data is kind of useful. There's an entire industry which does exactly that. It's called the information technology industry. Uh, what we found out a few years ago was we found that we could arrange molecules of carbon monoxide on a surface in a way so that um, they acted like dominoes. When you stand dominoes up and you, you knock one over, it causes a, a chain of dominoes to fall over. And then we found ways to make those chains interact with one another so that they did logical operations on what we call the data that we put in there. And they really are um, real operating logic circuits, uh, extremely small compared to today's technology. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of scientists say that the way we look at the world is pretty much shaped by the tools that we have. And I was wondering if your ability to move atoms around with this new tool changed your way of looking at the world. Oh, yeah. If you spend four or five hours tugging and pulling and cajoling and screaming at a single atom because you're trying to move it and it resists every effort that you're um, exerting, your view of the world changes. You, you feel really puny. This big old atom is, is not moving, even though you're trying hard to get it to move. And what I found is, is that I have a much better feel for the way the world is on the nanometer length scale, for how atoms interact with one another. Uh, that's much better. And it's also given me a very different view of myself than I had before. I now feel an extraordinary affinity to all of the natural world around me, the natural world made up of atoms. I'm made up of atoms. Um, the, the whole world around me is made up of atoms. And having interacted with atoms, you become familiar with atoms. You begin to see how everything is has a commonality, how everything is connected. And although I sort of knew that in a technical or scientific sense, I don't think it had the same um, spiritual impact or emotional impact that it has had as a result of actually having that interaction with the, the world of atoms through this instrument. Do you think kids today might grow up and have jobs pushing and moving atoms Absolutely. around? Building things, say, at the nanoscale, and what would those jobs be like? Well, it's going to be the coolest job on the planet. I mean, let's just, let's just you know, cave into that right now. Um, <laughs> It's going to be a really fun job because it's going to include in it a component of exploration. The kind of it's going to be a job, which in some ways is like the job of exploring new continents or or regions that have never been explored before, or going out into outer space. You're going to be working in a realm which is a different realm, it's the nano realm, and there are going to be a lot of surprises out there. A lot of discoveries, and that's one of the reasons why it's so exciting today. Now is the age of exploration. And, and so the, for those of us who are busily engaged in that exploration, it's, this is actually the juiciest time. The time. When it becomes a technology, it's actually not as juicy as when it is now, because now is, is when the discoveries are being made. Um, so <laughs> yep. um, in, in some sense, 
Um, the best thing we can do with those kids is get them into the laboratories today and have them share in the excitement which is happening now. So we might be moving towards a future where engineers build things by moving around individual atoms. Scientists are still debating how much is possible, but it's clear that the future is going to be very different. This has been Karen Schmidt and Stephanie Chastine talking with Don Eigler. You can see Don's historic image on our website at www.nisnet.org slash podcast. And now it's time to play Nano News or Nano Nonsense. We'll read you a series of three news stories. One of them is nonsense. Can you spot it? So joining us for our quiz today is Blake here at the Exploratorium. Welcome to the quiz, Blake. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Good times. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to win. Okay. So, so the first story. California scientists recently found a way to do nano origami. They programmed strands of DNA so that they would automatically fold up into various shapes like triangles, stars, and snowflakes. And they even made that classic have-a-nice-day smiley face. At about 100 nanometers wide, that would make a perfect billboard for any viruses that happen to be passing by. So, that can one... They, can they make a swan, though? I don't know. Yeah. Or I... a block of cheese? That would be interesting. Yeah, well, you like cheese? I love cheese. Oh, okay. mm. Well, number two okay. might be helpful for you if you like cheese. So, in September, a team of Pennsylvania medical researchers created the first nanobots, and they're made to scour the arteries of people who are at high risk of heart attack. Um, the group also made a scanning device to keep tabs on the thousands of nanobots that they would release into the patient's bloodstream. And now they're getting ready to do clinical tests in patients to see how good a job a whole fleet of nanobots does at finding artery-clogging plaques and dissolving them. That could be nano news. It sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, it's, do they call it Articlean? <laughs> well, looking at number three. Okay. A research team from the U.S. and Finland reported that they found a way to use a commercial inkjet printer to print patterns of carbon nanotubes on paper and other surfaces. So carbon nanotubes are tiny tubes of carbon atoms that are organized in a hexagonal pattern, sort of like chicken wire. They're good conductors of electricity, so that advance might make it possible to print electronics on cloth and let people actually wear the batteries for their laptop computers. That might be kind of a shocking experience, if it's true. So let's review all your options, Okay, like. I'm ready. Um, number one was that nano origami. Uh, number two were the nanobots for cleaning out your arteries after you eat all that cheese. And number three was the carbon nanotube inkjet printer. Which one sounds like nano nonsense to you? Time's up. Here are the answers to the quiz. Well, the first one sounds kind of nonsensical, you know, but it seems like an experiment that uh, scientists would definitely try, trying to make them into shapes or some sort of easy things like that. The second one, the articlean, the cleaning out of the arteries, seems like it, it could be possible, but it sounds more sci-fi, science nonsense. And the last one definitely sounds like something that one, a scientist would try because it seems like trying to get nanomaterials on flexible materials is something that someone would really try to do impossible. So if I were to make a choice, I definitely think chimney sweeps inside of people's arteries. It just seems a little too sci-fi for me. Okay, so well, I'm going to make you wait a little bit, Blake, to find out whether or not you're right. Ah! So that first one, that nano origami, you're right, that's nano news. 
The researcher thinks that that method for DNA origami could one day be used to make computer chips with features that are ten times smaller than chips that can be made today. Hmm. So that research was reported in March by Paul Rothmund at the California Institute of Technology. So number three, that carbon nanotube inkjet printer was also nano news. All right. Yeah, they just took a regular inkjet cartridge and filled it with a solution of carbon nanotubes that were dissolved in water. And it produced a pattern just like it was printing with normal ink. The resulting image can conduct electricity. Um, so that technique could lead to all kinds of fun applications like wearable electronics or electronic newspapers that automatically download the daily paper. And that was reported in August in the journal Small. Interesting. All right. So, so, so the nano nonsense story is number, number two. two. All right. Yeah, Blake. Woo! That one about the artery cleaning nanobots, you're right. That's nano nonsense. So nanomedicine researchers can't precisely engineer anything so complex as a nanobot for cleaning out your arteries. They're starting to build tailored nanostructures and just simple nanomachines that serve as motors or sensors or levers, but they haven't yet figured out how to put all those pieces together to make a reliable nano-sized medical device that could navigate your bloodstream, diagnose a problem, and then correct it. That's really pretty complicated, but many scientists are working towards that goal. So thanks, Blake, for joining us on the quiz. You're welcome. And congratulations on winning. Thank you. Woo! You've been listening to Small Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show was written and produced by Stephanie Chastine and Karen Schmidt for the Exploratorium and the Nanoscale Informal Science Education Network. We are supported by the National Science Foundation. You can find us on the web at www.nisnet.org slash podcasts. That's N-I-S-E-N-E-T dot org slash podcasts. Or email us at smalltalk at exploratorium.edu. Please call us with your comments and questions at 1-888-781-3202. All music is licensed under the Creative Commons. You've heard My Name is Jeff by Four Stones, DC 3000 by The Thievery Corporation, and you're listening to What Did You Say by Zap Mama. You've been listening to Small Talk. Join us next month for more conversations about nanotechnology. 